eighty. I ought him seventy three. Those who do not understand tree, please forgive me. They say I may unquan no ma the mecra abba for ye. Me yet ye me to me. I just love this news here indeed. We're going to dissect all that for you. We're going to be, don't worry, we're talking about which of what you've just heard there will qualify as your favorite soundbite of the year. And then the goof of the year. There's a few mini, uh, you know, that will, will make a claim for that particular award. That's later. But let me introduce my guests joining me right now. I have two of them on Zoom. And the first is Shamima Muslim. Hello, Shamima. And Shamima, hey, great, great, great to have you, Shamima. Great to have you. Last year, you were with us when we, we went through the list of the big stories of the year, and I'm delighted that you can join us again. So great, great to I'm have you all. I'm also very honored. I'm very honored to be joining all of you great men ah. of Ghana's media this evening. Don't worry, I'll, I'll not disclose what you told me, you know, before we came on, on WhatsApp. I won't disclose. No, I'm going to blackmail him with it. <laughs> I he's know. not nice to me this evening, I, I will ask him a question he cannot answer on air. I know, I know. Feel free. In fact, this show, we are all guests on the show. Uh, I, I don't want to be qualified as a host just yet because I also want to have my own say. So, yeah, I mean, I feel free to ask the questions if you may. Samsung Lada Yenini. This time, he is moving from where I currently uh, sit to the other side, where he's going to take my questions. But again, the caveat is we are all going to be asking ourselves questions at some point. We all become guests and analysts. And so, yeah, he gets to enjoy uh, just 15 minutes of it, uh, of what he does on News File. He's lawyer, you know. Samsung, great to have you joining us. Good to be able to join you, Evans. And you know, every week you do the weekend review, which is really what news file is. So you are now going to do the year in review. You put all your weeks that you've done in one year and help us analyze. That's exactly what you're. This is exactly your show, just that it's a, it's a long, a longer period. Uh, so something uh, will come to you first, indeed, and get your thoughts on a, a few things. And then in the studio with me, uh, the my partners in crime. You, you you see us on State of Play, the three. No, two heads. <laughs> the two heads, plus myself. Um, not part of the heads, but, you know, they are colleagues on the political... For a, for a moment, I wanted to do uh, KT Hammond. Yeah, uh, which you is know what? what KT Hammond did to Anodon Pre. Mm, uh, what did he do to Anodon Pre? Attempt to... The attempt to... Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's good that you held yourself back. But, yes... Raymond Aqua uh, with the political desk also with me in the studio and Winston Amwang also with me in the studio. Uh, gentlemen and ladies, let's start with this. First, Samson, give me your top three biggest news stories of 2023. So my biggest, biggest news stories, um, I'll, I'll list them by way of my disappointments and how we have not resolved those issues. The state-sponsored criminality in brutalizing an entire, you know, enclave, so to speak, mm. an entire community in Ashaiman, in the full glare of the world, where 184 people were arrested, detained without any process whatsoever, regardless of 
the clear um, requirements of our laws and they were released without any apology and so far no compensation whatsoever and no investigation whatsoever into the matter for those who must be shamed to be shamed and those who must be uh, prosecuted to be prosecuted. For me, that is a big issue. In the end, it is the police that gave us a list of about six people uh, who we have a number of them still on trial. When it comes to the politics, um, the fact that we have seen only two candidates or aspirants for the office of president from one political party spread money in such a way that you have never witnessed. And the evidence exists to show that so much money was thrown at the people to elect among themselves people who would be qualified to represent uh, them, uh, the NPP, going into the 2024 elections for the presidency. Especially happening at a time when the dialysis units of the Kolebu Teaching Hospital needed only 4 million Ghana CDs. I've heard people say dollars. It's not dollars, was it? 4 million Ghana CDs only to save lives. Over a dozen lives were lost in a matter of um, two weeks. And we had candidates or aspirants coming together to spend in excess of 200 million. So those were bigger issues for me. So if you like to be about three issues I put together, and you ask for three biggest issues. Yes, the sad commentary about the dialysis center and the patterns that it needed if you look at the national kitty and what we throw away even though the law prohibits it and the vote buying has been very nauseating and i can't think about what will happen going into the election itself biggest stories uh, for something like we're going to put it down we're going to come back and begin to dissect them under categories uh shamima let me take yours Stop. right okay so i'm i'm not mute yes um good evening once again to everybody greetings to all of us i'm sure we are a bit relaxed after the holidays and we are all geared up for a new year so for me i think that Towards the beginning of the year, the economy still was top priority for everybody. And so the entire management, you know, situation also as evidenced by the domestic debt exchange specifically, because that is what had direct bearing to many average citizens. And for me, the picture that still haunts me almost every day that this subject matter comes up is the picture of those pensioners picketing in front of the finance ministry. Mm. Is an image I'm not sure my subconscious 
it's going to forget any time soon because I asked myself, how did we get to this point? I mean, years ago, I was sitting in the geography class of Professor Songsori, and he said that the, what, that the measure of a progressive society is what that society is doing for and its aged, what that society is doing for and its women, what that society is doing for and its young people and also what is happening to inequality. I have not forgotten this statement how many decades on. And it is so true that if you look at the states of all of these categories of citizens that I have mentioned, you know that truly the measure of a dignified country, living in a dignified state, that recognizes the dignity of all its citizens will require specific questions to be answered about how it's taking care of its aged. And for us to allow our old people who have worked and broken their backs, who have, you know, put their confidence into the financial sector, who have moved away from a history of keeping monies and beds, a long process of social conscientization and sensitization to trust the financial system. And they did this with all of their life savings and were only dependent on the yields from some of these bonds or investment they had made. And for us to allow these aged to pick it and beg for money that was rightfully yes, money that they rightfully earned, pension contributions that they made, even though their salaries were not yeah. enough to meet all of their needs. At Taima, the don't don't bring the soup just yet, because we'll come to that subject substantively. The details. Yes, very shortly. <laughs> so that's, so that's, my that's number the one. Yes. Major issue. Mm -hmm. My second issue again lies in the. Um, the story about the drowning incidents of young people who have to feed um, themselves across waters to either seek an education or to eat a certain, you know, livelihood from uh, um, from the other side. I'm talking specifically about the stories we heard about drowning incidents in parts of the water, as well as even the wager area. How we as a country continue to fail our young people. And the fact that there are many girls in so many other communities today who cannot cross the rivers when they are in their periods because the river gods abhor menstrual blood and it's still happening today. So they lose out on a lot of um, contact hours and it affects um, ultimately their educational outcomes. That's my second, second. issue. Mm -hmm. My third issue is the general decay of our democratic governance system, specifically the issues of corruption, as we would mention, the issues of transparency, the issues of general good governance, and how we are increasingly losing faith in this democratic dispensation. But, but, but talking about that, though, is, there, is there any particular story in 2023 that best illustrates that for you? Number, it's, it's a number of things, a number of stories. Mm -hmm. One would be the increasing monetization so of vote, our politics. So vote buying, so just like something? Witnessed, okay. 
as, yes, like Samson, as witnessed by all the internal political contests, mm. and also even the district level elections. Okay. okay, and so that's my third issue. Um, no, is that my fourth issue? So yeah, that's your third issue. You're on your third so issue. Your not, third it's issue linked with my my second issue, the district level elections, mm -hmm. and I think that we we haven't quite, um, you know, shown concern for the way in which the Electoral Commission conducted the district-level election, because we know that may be a precursor to what we might experience into in the 20, next year. We have focused so much on election 2024 that we haven't been quite vigilant on the things and the infractions and the, you know, poor management of the district-level elections. And whilst I'm at it, I am so concerned about the future of representative democracy because increasingly over the years, we are having lesser women participation in these areas, district-level elections, and by extension, national by elections. elections. Okay. My three, Your three main concern areas. DDEP, uh, the drowning incidents of young people, and then the democratic de uh, decay. Generally, their specific yeah. stories are... Vote buying, uh, something that something touched on also, and the district level elections linked to that, the underrepresentation of women in that part of uh, as far as the democratic process is concerned. Okay, so those are your three. Uh, let me come to the studio. Uh, Raymond, top three. Let me just list them, right? Yeah, just list so, them. So, independent. Okay, resignation of yes, Alan Chamating. Yes, yes, okay. Yes. The okay. second one is also the Sicily Adapa situation. Okay. Then the third one is the Akosombo dance pillage and the effect that it has on the communities that are connected. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you have uh, first been Alan Chamati's resignation, Sicilia Dapa, which is a big, big one. We'll talk about that extensively. And then Akosombo dance pillage. Okay. Winston? Yeah. So let me do it this way. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, the first one is the domestic debt exchange program. Okay. How it impacted a lot of people. I mean, um, Shamai has talked about the pensioners' picketing, but you know, beyond the pensioners, some individual bondholders also lost, uh, you know, a lot of funds. We have even institutions. Why are you looking at me? I think it was just yesterday uh, when we were having the year in review on the Super Morning Show mm -hmm. that somebody actually reached out to me and said that, look, they, they were corporate bondholders, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. and they decided because it was voluntary, they decided not to get onto it. And they've still not been paid their money. Mm. Yeah. And so that's a major issue. Um, I talk about uh, the dam spillage. Mm -hmm. Look, over 30,000 people being displaced. And it's an area I know very well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the problems they had to go through. Um, and and some of you, you ask yourself the very simple question, whether we could have prevented this. And it was a question we kept asking over and over again. Yes. We'll get back to it. I want to do something, which is typical me. So my third issue... It's mm -hmm. politics, okay? Mm -hmm. But I'll box two issues in one. Okay, no problem. No problem. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, so first is the resignation of Alan Chamanting okay. uh, to contest the 2024 election as an independent candidate. Mm -hmm. And second is the election of Dr. Bamia as flag bearer of the NP. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay great. So if we've seen the, uh, the three for all of you. I would also go for DDEP. I think it's... It's historic in its negative impact on the economy and the lives of the people. Uh, and, and, and for me, there, there's a phrase that encapsulated the importance or the negative essence of the DDEP, which I, it's attributed to Osechi Mensabonsu. 
that it will wipe out the middle class. And, and for me, that sort of encapsulated it for me. I mean, the, talk about the pensioners, everybody knows what it meant for them. But the middle class people, everybody who has money to save something, anticipation of retirement. So the retired were affected. Young people also saving towards that were also affected. And that's what he made a point about their potential. It had to wipe out the middle class is very true. And I know many people who can't count themselves on middle class anymore because of the DEP, your money is just... So, so that, that's, that's definitely one. First for me. Uh, second is Sisley Adapa. I think it's, that's, that's a big one. Um, you know, it sort of shook the foundations. Something that we've known, right? I mean, Obeda someone had written about it and told us, ah, it's, it's common in politics that people, politicians keep their monies in their boots and their cars, etc. But of course, um, nobody had proven it yet until, you know, Sisley Adapa showed us that it's... it's and and the, each time they looked into her room, they found more money. Uh, we'll, come to the, <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come to the specifics. And I know Samson knows more about this than all of us, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts on that. That's my second. And, of course, politics, I agree with you. Those two would, would, would be my top, the third one also. Uh, the, um, you know, the James that you're creating one was a big one too, right? I mean, because of everything that's happened to him, and he still, still went, went ahead and won the elections. And, and it's what it says about what possibly may happen next year. That's why I put it there. And, and then you look at Dr. Baumia's uh, election, also two together. So those are my three. Now let's get to the specifics. Now we've categorized all this into, into categories and blocks. Let's start with the domestic debt exchange and the economy, right? Let's start with that. And, and because the two of you all mentioned that, let me start here. We've got to go to the, to the, to the Zoom. What, was, what about the domestic debt exchange makes it a top one for you? So, I have said this before, that we have been to the IMF 17, 18 times, depending on who is counting. Big deal. It's, it's predominantly, in fact, apart from PAMSCAD, apart from we having to do some social mitigation within that period, most of our IMF programs come and go, and people just talk about it as we being irresponsible, going for some help, and doing the usual things. But... One of the few times where, and there are so many Ghanaians who do not care about the politics of the day, even when government announces that they're going for an IMF program, say, yeah, we are back at it again. I mean, Professor Enesaita says it's, it's a ritual we do virtually every three, five years. Mm. And that for his almost four decades of doing economic analysis, he can predict that this is what's likely to happen within the space four or five years down the line. Mm -hmm. We have not changed. But this was an extraordinary one. Because of what brought it into being and the introduction of that domestic debt exchange or debt exchange in a form, any form, understandably in any mode, because the executive president in announcing some of these things told everybody that as for a haircut, no haircut, it was an impossibility, yeah. it would not happen. Some disputed that. I mean, of course, subsequently, the finance minister also stressed it to the point that, of course, that was the finance minister. Many did not take his words so seriously because he had told us we would not get to the IMF if we got there in the first place. Now, it is when it started becoming impacting people, and you know there are people that talk to you maybe once in a while. They are not really, they don't care about what happens in the country. They are just removed predominantly. They could be former doctors, retired, sitting at home, sometimes goes uh, to certain places to supervise work and all of that. But when you have a huge number of these grouping, not only forming groups, but calling you virtually consistently 
telling you how this is going to kill a certain industry. And let's not get it wrong. In the last three decades, many believe that with Ken Oferata as finance minister, we are the man who understood the capital markets of this country. So financial markets were supposed to blossom under him. Did you get a point? Yeah. So when it is during this time that we are introducing a domestic debt exchange, and I was actually overwhelmed. That's a big irony. By the, by the numbers, the people that would never, people that mostly, and I reference them, when they meet you, they'll say, you see, you are a young man, so you should tone down small. Let the, let the people understand that uh, things are happening. But you know, we've been through worse times, so you should don't tone down small. When those people call you and say, this is going to kill a lot of us, and that is going to really deal a big blow. There's an old man who told me something that we spent almost three decades to build the current system that we have in place as a financial market structure. Mm -hmm. The biggest threat to that financial market structure is this domestic debt exchange. We got people to believe it is possible to put money in our system. And in fact, we're told many, many yes. times in, in schools and yes, and yes. I was going to come to that. Yeah, go on. That the usual textbooks that they are parried and shared to us reduced to a very large extent the risk involved in some of these government security yes in fact in fact oh, oh of course there's some risk in it but oh but they say zero risk yes i mean of course although when they, they are coming to sell that to you yeah. they tell you boldly including those people who made a career out of inviting people to not only save but invest for their future you get my point yeah. there was an industry and you know them i mean some of them are even in government places now they were motivational speakers. They rose to prominence because of riding on a certain investment culture. The biggest threat to that investment culture was this domestic debt exchange. Mm. And of course, around that time, I had taken up a course in financial markets. So the understanding and appreciation of it became even more pronounced to me. If you understood how people were basically converting their cities, into dollars yeah. and finding accounts to transfer to yeah. short. People that you expect to be so, so intelligent that they understood and appreciated the system. How they were basically converting and looking for dollars in every corner, trying to make sure that they secure the amount of money they have worked for all their lives. And I'm not talking here about, I mean, just public servants. People who have run banks. People who have been in charge of big-time investment units. Being so scared and afraid that all that I've worked for in my life, I know people, including doctors, who have retired for so many years, who are then forced to go back and say, can you give me a job to do? You know, Because this threat is to the, my very existence as a human being. And, and when, they, when they form the, the platform yes. for the, um, the, the individuals affected by this, yeah, yes. the, the, the pension bondholders, yeah. the individual bondholders yeah, form, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And, of course, I, I found myself on that platform. <laughs> the people... In society, not only middle class, you know, the, the elite of the society, owners of institutions, wealthy, who were on that platform, very agitated. It, everybody was affected, including the market woman, who had also put in money in, in, in mutual, um, you know. <laughs> this is the problem. And, and you escaped by escape of your feet. Yes, yes, because... You know, every time you're looking, okay, so let me be very frank with you here. Did you enter Ways of means. No, so this is what happened. Every week, you know, I had, um, I don't want to mention, but I can mention because it's uh, Kendall for yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> Data Bank, so it's not a big deal. But I had some fans at Data Bank. So what I do is that 
every week because they, they had advertised 18.47%. So every week I check it and check, you know, uh, how the funds were doing. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I was checking, and at a point, I realized that the interest that I was giving was actually about 9%, and not the 18.47% that I was promised. Half of that. Half of that. So I became worried, because I'd already predicted that if care wasn't taken, the economy could crash in September. This was around June, July. So I decided to go for my money. This year? Last year. Last year, yeah. So yeah. I decided to go for my money. So I went for half, and I said, let me go for half of the money, and watch how the market would behave. Yeah, you were lucky. When I sensed it this around the same time, around June, in fact, it was earlier than I think it must have been May, there was nobody to buy my bond. It, yeah. it was just that. No. I mean, I, I was trying to dump it. I couldn't find anybody there, to dump and it. And this is what happened. To, to, when to I went there, I saw two, three, four persons in the government around. Mm. I said, okay, what's happening here? Oh, no, no, you were coming for money. I said, no problem. After a week, I went for the remainder of my money. I left something there. I said, okay, let me just keep this here and see what would happen. Well, the rest, like we say, is history. But for me, this is the thing. We should have seen this coming. And what saddens me is that the very person who led us into this still told us that as a father, you don't run away from your children. When yeah. we said that, no, don't worry, we say go. He stayed on and is still at post today. Anybody who's a watcher of Ghana's economy would have told you that by the end of 2019, we had high risk of debt distress. That's true. We had opportunity to get into some, you know, uh, systems where debt suspension, uh, uh, you mm. know, we refused. Mm. Basically approaching the IMF at that time. At that time. We refused. And if we had approached the IMF earlier, wouldn't have been through this kind of problem. Look, we talked about, I mean, I, I mean you, you saw the Bank of Ghana, for instance. The Bank of Ghana had to actually impair 48 billion Ghana cities. No wonder it's record loss of 60 yes, billion. Because the Bank of Ghana... And they themselves in the statement attributed it to the... Mm, no, the Bank of Ghana... I mean, I, I can read it to you. The Bank of Ghana had reached a point where the Bank of Ghana was bailing government out. We can have that conversation yeah. about monetary financing. Even to pay and, and, salaries. And, salaries. And say that it's, it's improper and all of that. And they admit. But no, but we had reached the point where we had been shut out of the international capital markets. So what we used to do where we consistently would go at the beginning of the year and use that to shore up the Ghana city yeah. and turn around and say we're doing very well. Well, that's not bad if you don't have a problem, but once you have a problem, then we'll turn around and tell you, no, you shouldn't have done that. So the Bank of Ghana, that's also because, look, if you run an economy on PR, on PR, you'll be exposed at a point. And that's what we have been doing with the economy. And, and here's the thing, though, Winston. We are talking about a catastrophic collapse I mean, nearly, of an yeah. economy, affected many lives. Yeah. You've talked about the Bank of Ghana. Yeah. You've talked about the governor of the Bank of Ghana, of course. you talk talked about the finance. We are, we are in December now. We are doing year in review. There hasn't been any consequence yeah. for any of these individuals who were in charge and led us to this point. And we saw this huge controversy around whether the Bank of Ghana breached the regulations in just doling out money to the, to the state in trying to cover up what yeah, was yeah, happening yeah. With, the, with the domestic yeah. exchange. Last year... On this same show, the year in review, Kenneth Riata was beleaguered at the time. Mm. His own people were saying, we want him out. We don't want him in his government. They had, not, they had you know, met the president then, the president had given them assurance. On the show, I made a prediction then. At that time, everybody thought he would survive it because it was unprecedented that your own you know, colleagues, party folks in parliament will gang up against you. This was my prediction last year. This is what I predict will mm -hmm. happen. I believe 
Ken leaves if he wants to wants leave, to or leave. the president wants him to leave. No, and, and the president would never want him to go. Are you I saying mean, in all this, at least you have your sources, in all this, there was no point that am, Ken himself wanted to leave I don't and the know president that. says to stay? I, I don't know that. Okay. But I'm just making a prediction going into 2023 that Ken only leaves if he wants to. I am confident the president himself will not want to remove Ken, the president himself. Really? I think this comes down to what Ken chooses to do. It is not up to the MPP MPs. That's what the NDC MPs, they're out of the equation. Mm -hmm. They've lost their vote. It's done. The MPP MPs, first of all, watch whether they'll be still disunited in 2023 mm -hmm. after the IMF, after the IMF deal is, is struck. It comes down to what Ken wants to do. And we'll see. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. I'll be wrong. Okay. But that's, that's what I believe will happen. Short word on that. Yeah, so, yes, and uh, you're right. Um, except that this year, no, next year, next year, um, at a point, Ken would have to leave. But again, <laughs> again, I mean, in, in an Akufado government, you don't know what to say. Well, I, I can predict again. He, he will leave when he But chooses. now, 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 the party's on the neck of the president that he must let Ken leave. So what is, is going to happen? what the general secretary said? Yeah, but what is going to happen is that the reshuffling may, and let me choose my words carefully, because even though sources tell us he'll be giving another ministry, a very nice one, you would get to know shortly. I think Ken will be giving another ministry. Another ministry. He leaves the finance ministry. He's not leaving as a minister. But that could also change. Yeah. Anything can happen. So I'm not going to stick my neck out and say, oh, Ken is going to... See, the uh, and ministry. quickly, I want to bring something yes. in. Something but, but, let me just wrap up on the uh, debt exchange. Yeah. So look, this was a program. And consistently, every night I was going home, there was a particular woman who would call me and tell me about the problems she has to go through, how she had to work so hard outside this country and retire yes, yes. into Ghana. And she planned, you know, these bonds in a way that she would use it to buy drugs. And she didn't know what she was going to do. Mm. There were people who consistently would call you and tell you, I don't know how I'm going to survive. In fact, when... Larry Jagger, when we spoke to him on the Super Morning mm -hmm. Show, and he made that point. I've still never forgotten that. When he made that point, that for 15 years, his 66 years, and in his family, the males hardly crossed 80 years. So he's worked all his life, served the country. In his retirement, this is what the state does to him. I say, in any serious country, because we saw this coming, because we saw this coming, because by the time we went for the first Eurobond in 2021 and tried again in September 2021 mm -hmm. for the second time, mm -hmm. and the market started raising doubts about the country because you had consistently gone mm -hmm. once a year. Once they started raising doubt about us, that is when we should have run to the IMF. But of course, they say pride comes before fall. And our pride at the time, which people say wrong. In, in, in all its purposes, led us to mm. where we are today. I mean, and, and something surprised that we are doing year in review. We've all talked about the devastating consequences of this for people's lives, and there has been no consequence for the people like Lizua and the charge who led us here. Evans, there is. It's, it's unfortunate to say this, but I don't know how else to say it. Um, how much this particular president has been such a big disappointment to, to many, very many people. 
And I believe you and I interact with uh, people that loved him, people that believed in him, people that that could shed blood for him. I'm not talking about um, party fanatics. I'm not talking about uh, people who are getting the cramps and and um, are whipped us in foot soldiers to to make all sorts of comments in favor of the president or their party uh, just because they need, you know, to be giving, you know, some small money to survive. I'm talking about people who mean well and meant well for him and wanted him to be president at all costs. The people who um, were have been in his party some who are not in his party and believed and trusted him that he was going to bring such a significant shift or reset in the manner in which we do our politics. Now, he began with a bank cleaning program. And if you begin with a bank cleaning program, which we were told could be resolved by the state spending some $8 billion or $9 billion U.S. dollars, and not spending as much as $25 billion. And he went ahead with it. That's CDs. CDs. Yes, CDs. Went ahead with it without, you know, uh, listening to the options. And this is part of why we had to go to the IMF and we had to subscribe, where the DDP uh, had to, um, you know, uh, happen. Now, the bank of the new leaders of the central bank were very clear in our various interviews with them about officers of the bank being complicit mm. in in this kind of rip of the of the state, where banks that did not deserve the bailout were giving uh, liquidity support. And what happened to those officers? Do you know of any report or do you know of any news? of a single member of the Bank of Ghana that superintended the crime that led to the country having to spend as a whopping $25 billion mm. or even more. I, I think Winston and uh, Raymond may have better figures to tell us. And yet, not a single person in that institution is being held accountable. How do you expect that anybody else will be held accountable for anything? Yeah. I mean, and, and that, that is the, the tragedy indeed. And, and, and Shamima, uh, and, yes. and we, that is the tragedy, is it not? And no wonder, almost after every four or five years, we are back at the IMF because people in charge of running, and we're talking about consequence. In the midst of all this, the Bank of Ghana haven't recorded the 60 billion loss, and everybody knew this was going to come. Still goes ahead to spend $250 million on a new head office, right? Which is another issue that we'll talk about. So, that, that, that is the problem we are in. We are a few days to the end of the year. The consequences are still being felt by many people. Um, and no, we're still struggling for the second tranche of the IMF yeah. money, by the way. Yeah. And, and its impact will stretch into 2020, 2024. And, and yet, the people who let us here are still there. Um, so when I was reflecting on, you know, what I, I wanted to perhaps talk about when I say that 
there's democratic decay and also the kind of governance we are experiencing now. I mean, dovetails into your concern. You see, I think that what we, we, we all have to wake up to the reality that what ought to be isn't always what is. Mm. And that when we say that every day we tell that, oh, we are a democratic country and Ghana, uh, you know, has done well. Yes, we, we seemingly have somehow miraculously <laughs> been <laughs> immune from, from our own mismanagement. You know, if you compare our country to other countries, um, I don't know if we are lucky. I don't know if it's just the citizens who are not yet ready you know, to claim their rights. But the whole phrase of democracy is for the people, by the people, and of the people. In the face of the persistence, persistent intransigence of those who hold power, betrays that statement that truly, in this democracy, power is definitely not for the people. It's not by the people. It may be procured from the people. Mm-hmm every now and then during election cycles, but it ultimately isn't. Because if it is truly for the people, it means that when the people talk and they talk consistently, we should see certain action. It should not be knee-jerk reaction to every now and then there are some protests and then they throw us, you know, um, a bait and then they calm us down and it goes back to business as usual. Because when we speak about the issue of... um, good governance and specifically here since we are talking money matters financial governance it has its tenants mm. and we should be seen to be operating by the tenants of democracy and uh, what you call accountability and transparency like you're saying last year i said look we seem to be um, especially the finance minister seemed to be very high on faith and low on, on works. I recall I made that statement even then, as at last year, and see where we are today. The effects of the financial mismanagement cannot be excused by any um, external shocks alone. We must definitely look at the political decisions that bring us some of these problems, okay? Because um, it is trite that you cannot constantly spend what you don't have on things that may not necessarily be necessities and expect that you would you get onto any even kill. And if you look at the way this government has spent the freebies that they gave, and, 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 and you know, so right now I'm really telling everybody that beware of Greeks who come bearing gifts because your entire life savings will be taken back. You know, it's almost like selling your soul to the devil. You, you, you would that the Satan gives nothing for free. Pardon my words, I'm not saying that the government is, is, is saying, I'm just using it to illustrate the mm. point that when citizens become so removed from the situations and they don't open their eyes to the trends, you know, I just watched this movie, Leave the World Behind. When we are so consumed by the distractions that we truly are not in tune with the effects of the decisions that are being made, sometimes cloaked, you know, with the cloak of it being of benefit to us. Or when we were receiving the free or discounted electricity bill, discounted water water bill, I think many people were happy. But I was quite concerned even then because I was wondering these freebies will, will definitely come at a cost. 
And they did come as a point because you cannot spend in luxury when you're living in poverty. Mm. You can't. And the actions and decisions and behaviors of those in politics has led to an, an increasing mistrust of our leaders. And yet the citizens seem not to be able to find the verb yeah. or the energy to protest consistently uh, uh, for a change and, in and, behavior. And, and, and by the way, since you're doing a year in review, I need to ask mm. though, um, because if you really look at it carefully, at the beginning of this year, the domestic debt exchange still, I mean, as Shamima had said, the, the pain was obvious. The fear was that haircuts were going to happen, right? But it was, I want to introduce the word that was actually part of the phraseology. Voluntary was, was part of the phraseology. It's a voluntary debt exchange. People had a will to choose or not to choose. I chose not to. Others did choose. Now, again, this is a fair question to us, both of you, all of you indeed. But if you look back now, where we are now till January 1, those who did not, those who chose not to participate, they've been paid their coupons, right? Those who chose, decided to take the haircut, they also been paid their haircut. So what, what's the issue? Well, the issue is Raymond. <laughs> no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I want Raymond first. No, no, I want you first. But what's the issue? In all fairness, we know that what they are supposed to be paid, and we know what we have gone through as a country with their timelines and deferring timelines and actually paying and not paying sometimes. And let's be clear, there were some times that we had to see these uh, old people go back to the finance ministry. And they were, they were asking for exemption. No, later on, even renegotiating timelines on whether or not yeah. you'd be paid. You remember, yeah. on four different occasions within the year, and not long ago, they even went back again. That system, and we should agree, our financial system was bastardized to the lowest level. What we came close to doing was almost collapsing that structure because the structure had operated purely on trust for a functioning system all over the world. Mm. What we did was take out that trust, destroy that trust to the level that People had no choice. So this voluntary and non-voluntary kind of conversation. In all fairness. But it was voluntary. Oh, but we know that it wasn't really voluntary. We know we but there are people people who, who did not yes. participate. But did, they, did, did all the groups have the option? For example, yeah. pension funds. The conversation also about the other funds that were automatically involved, were they all voluntary? So let's, let's not, and I think that's where we should get this straight. There's a system that we are put in place for almost three decades mm. seeking to build and prosper. Without a proper financial system, countries collapse. And the difference between we and the U.S. today is because their financial system can guarantee okay. that we, we you will get the amount of money we, to do what you're saying. We, we have this five minutes. But we destroy that yeah. financial system. Let me say, um, Evans, today, what is the value of risk placed on the old bonds? 100%. If you are an institution, so I mean, if, I mean, regulated by the Bank of Ghana or by SEC, and you maintain old bonds, mm -hmm. you have a risk of hundred percent on it. Would you keep that bond? You, 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 Raymond, will you keep that bond? You, would you uh, advise? Would you advise? Oh, you don't even say me. Let's say I'm an advisor mm -hmm. to an institution or a group of people. Would you keep that? bond? Would you keep that bond with a risk of hundred percent? 
I mean, so, so we're and about scheming regulation. If you all that you do in financial systems is to manage risk. Yes. The risk of having to lose a certain section, so you go into all the other factors. But this is a case where your risk is one hundred percent. So this is the point. Mm. Your risk is one hundred percent. Automatically, you're thinking and you're saying, "I can't be doing this." So we talk about the regulatory coercion, which was used to get it out of, um, you know, uh, the, the banks who participate in all actually that. Yeah. undergo the domestic debt yeah. exchange. Now, people have had their payments deferred. People have had to go back and forth. Now, look at it from this way. First of all, if I expected money in September and I wasn't paid that money in September and I was paid that money in November, that money would have lost value. In a country where, where there's depreciation also very high, yeah. where there's depreciation. So time value of money would actually affect it. And there would have been a decline in the, in the value mm. of, that partic of, of, of those funds. Now, even if I consistently would have to go and sit and look at, I mean, you can see them on your screens. If I have to go and sit there, the time that I go there, I drive in and out, the impact. And for those who actually signed on to it, look, you, there were promised percentages of 18, some 17, whatever, yeah. 20. Now you go for an, a nine percent. Automatically, you've lost half of your interest. Yeah. It, okay. If you factor in inflation, if you factor in all that, your, so your money is that, gone. If you factor in inflation and all of that, yeah. people have lost lots of funds. And this is the point today, Evans. Let me just end on this briefly. Today, if I ask you to go and buy government of Ghana bonds, you think twice. No, I mean, the, the, let's say categorically, <laughs> the bond market is dead. Good. I mean, there's no bond market. I mean, except for those who. You know, yeah. they took the new and, deal. Yeah, uh, that bond is and so. Today, you know, and today, the bond today, market. Today, I mean, look. Let me be very honest with you. I keep money in the bank. I get nothing out of it. Yeah, the money is losing value. I mean, even safety reasons. Yeah, yeah. By the way, by the way, it's also it's also because of domestic debt exchange that we had a whole former chief justice come out to protest. And when she did, there are people in the government who said a few things that she was very unhappy about. And she did not hold back. Pretty rare, pretty historic. Listen to her. Can call me paranoid. I don't care. We're talking about people, we're talking about human beings, we're talking about people who have served this country and have served well and served hard not easy service when you're not a member of government and you're calling yourself a member of government that's why i'm still sitting here he can he can decide on he, he doesn't decide for me what i need to do and what i do not need to do it's as simple as that i you know i don't have time for things like that people like that are not important to me or to my life it is a disturbance that's all i've got to say about it listen sticks and stones may break my bones but uh, blah blah will not hurt me no and insults insults insult is the weapon of the pin brain that's all i've got to say i'm not going to trade words with pain brains. I'm sorry. And, and I, trust me, I have not heard this phrase yeah, until I heard it outright. And I had to go yeah. and check uh, what pain, pain brains yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. Uh, but, but quickly, 30 seconds each, uh, domestic debt exchange still a factor. Looking into 2024, uh, what, do you, what do you 
see as uh, its impact on next year? The, Very briefly. The inertia to get back to a functioning uh, financial system is where we are today. Mm. We know that the system is broken. We are trying to fix it. I do not think that the current state and the pace at which we are going is good enough. But there is a small uh, silver lining. I say, and many people agree, that banks are back to doing banking. You see out there, banks now offering loans to businesses and even ordinary They're people. not advertising for yes, people to yes, come for to loans. Come in. Something that happened a couple because of the government security years ago. Is, because is, when you are just buying government securities yeah. and pricing and basically leaving we, the people who would need the loans, mm. to also actually enhance our businesses, enhance our private. So the government is no longer crowding us out. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, and you said, well, the government still, but uh, <laughs> oh, except that still, <laughs> I, I just think that in just 15 seconds, but um, you know, except that the policy rate makes even the lending rate is still high for a lot of the banks. Mm. And so when they undergo promotions, they're giving a lending rate of 26.5%. That's just too much for any business to want to go for money. But this is the other thing. The Bank of Ghana issued a, a said, you know, a lot of the banks these days are going for short-term investments. Mm. What are the short-term investments? Government of Ghana Treasury, Treasury bills. bills. Yeah. The banks, a lot of them, are still investing in Government of Ghana Treasury Bills. And that's why they're declaring huge profits. Well, You've heard of the profits. Yeah. Well, Some still not doing them. I, I need to move to the next big issue. For 2023 and i want to bring something into this and there are a few clips that illustrate this this is another umbrella security and protest and there were three big items they having on their hands. Others were using rope. He still has some bruises behind him, but we can't show that on TV. They were using These are assault marks behind you. Yes, sir. What kind of weapons? Others were using neem tree branches and um, cables, pipe, PVC pipes, and all stuff of things that they are holding. They asked me to roll on the ground. Head, but this cut is from the beds. The bed that they were, they might lose the bed and they hit it and I, I was trying to parade it and I had a cut. I wouldn't want doctor to become the flag bearer and we lose the elections. Mr. Chairman, as I sit here, I can't remember. You cannot remember? Yes, Mr. Chairman. But this piece of um, transcription, did you have a voice correlation on the audio? Yes, yes, yes. It was, yes, it was an audio. Yeah. And is that your voice or has been improvised? The voice resembles my voice, but I can't remember making those things. I'm not denying or accepting because I can't remember. Yes. The so therefore, you are having memory challenges in relation to your own voice. The chairman, it's not everything that you say that you can't remember. He said so many things about this current IGP and what he has done and what he's not doing. And the promise he gave him that he has not satisfied the promise. And the fact that likelihood of him being changed is about 100%. And he is scouting for one person who can do the work well. I can see now your memory is working, you know. Your memory is working so strong. 
by the strength of your personality and to prevent the new patriotic party from breaking the eight. What, what is your response to some of these matters? Honorable Chair, that is somebody's opinion about me and I can't question somebody's opinion. What I said yesterday, if you give me the chance today, I will say so again. Is not managing the police service well. And for me, for the 31 years that I've been in the service, I can tell you he's the worst IGP we've ever had. Want to be able to move towards the Julobi House and be in the forefront as we requested to be. That's what we are waiting to move. So when the police give an indication, so far they have barricaded us and we are stuck in the middle. We don't want to continue to inconvenience Ghanaians who are out out there. We want the traffic to flow for fellow citizens to get about their business. We are pleading with the police to allow the demonstrations to pass through. Blocking here is not safe. We are asking the police again, blocking people here is not safe. We want traffic to flow. That's what we are pleading with the police. I'm talking about taking Chua I'm not talking about Ubering or driving. I'm talking about taking the Chua Chua. At times I have to make sure that it, the money I'm holding is enough so I don't get embarrassed. What is it? No, because it's different if you say like, oh, I just have one source of income or maybe I'm not even working. Yeah. I wo I've been working for seven years. Give me a break. I should have something to my name that shows that, yes, I've been working in this country. Samson, let me start with you. Three big stories. I know Ashaiman is very key. So let's start with that. What, what about Ashaiman, though? And also looking back now, we still don't have closure. Right. The fact that we don't have closure is my major concern. It's, it's already happened. Um, I cannot wrap my mind around why the military will conduct an operation and conduct it in the manner they did under a constitutional government, a constitutional yeah. regime of yeah. the rule of law, that the military will invade that part of Ashaiman in their helicopter and of officers instructed to main people instructed to brutalize people, to violate people's essence of being human. Our constitution says that the dignity of every person is inviolable. That very day, the constitution was thrown into the dustbin. Now, my concern is that when this happened in March, I expected that there would be immediate and swift action to correct this. That's my biggest concern, that there is absolutely nothing that has been done to seek to correct this. Now, the military claimed that the trooper who was unfortunately killed and the reason why they went to this place that they had they had intelligence that's the word they use in their press statement that they had intelligence 
intelligence led them to move people from their homes, from their sleep, move them into the rain and in the mud and make them, you know, lie on the, on the, in the mud and whip them. What intelligence led to picking up as many as 184 people or so and then eventually releasing all of them. Not a single one of the 184 was deemed a suspect to face the law for the, the, the killing of the young trooper. The police also spoke about intelligence, which led to the arrest of six people. Out of the six, um, I, I don't remember exactly, but about one or two of them um, had to be released because it was some sort of a mistake at the time. My question is, the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the Republic of Ghana, is it the same President Akufuado? Is it the same Nana Akufuado who fought for human rights? Is it the same person I read about in the law reports? And I'm proud, I, I was proud to quote and reference when I'm making argument before judges in the courts in the in the in the courtroom. Is it the same person? Do you remember a word from the president over this? Please, if any one of you remembers, please tell me. And I, I don't. don't. Not a single word for something that can only be imagined in the jungle. Not even in a military regime. This happened. So, what have the military been taxed to do? This is not something you don't know who did what. Mm. This was state-sponsored. The state knew. Okay? They knew about it. I, I started talking about it, and I told myself I would talk about it every Saturday um, or as often as I can until some action had been taken. The military high command invited me to a meeting I attended. Look, they were respectful. The, the man at the very top and his men, very respectful in the engagement. I was very clear with them that you cannot entertain this in a democracy, irrespective of some of their, their, their suggestions that their PR even propagated publicly, you know, that some people in Ashaiman were happy about it. Jesus me, this happened in Ghana and absolutely nothing has happened. It took only the uh, what's the name? Or Oliver Bakavomawo to mobilize a group of lawyers and other volunteers to go and try and keep some record 